Welcome to Always West Seattle, the podcast where the people, places, happenings, and history of West Seattle intersect. I'm your host, Keith Bacon. In this episode, we get the story behind two returning sources of LGBTQ pride on the Duwamish Peninsula and how they're coming back bigger and better than ever. This episode of Always West Seattle is a program of the Southwest Seattle Historical Society, and we'd like to begin by acknowledging that we are on the traditional land of the first people of Seattle, the Duwamish people, past and present, and we honor with gratitude the land itself and the Duwamish tribe. Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, and Transgender Pride Month is officially observed and celebrated every June in the United States and elsewhere around the world. And we're getting in just under the wire as I was out of the country on vacation for a couple of weeks and came down with COVID the day I got home. But while this year's major Pride festivities in Seattle have already come and gone, there's more to look forward to here on the Duwamish Peninsula, including the return of an ever-expanding annual event on Alki and the rebirth of a beloved bar in White Center. You'll hear some interesting similarities in the origin stories of these two local favorites, both based around homegrown efforts to build community in their own unique ways. We start with Alki Beach Pride, an event that keeps growing every year with the support of local businesses and organizations, including the Southwest Seattle Historical Society, which is returning as a partner for this year's edition. To hear about what's in the works for this upcoming two-day event on the beach and beyond, we talk with Alki Beach Pride co-founder and organizer, Stacy Bass Walden. How did Alki Beach Pride get started? That's a really good question, Keith. (laughs) So many years ago, my wife and I decided that we were going to host a pride party in our apartment. This was after the Seattle Pride's parade. Mm -hmm. We just still wanted to do something because in the LGBTQ community, we all know that it's not a light switch. We don't turn it off (laughs) after Pride Month ends. So we were like, oh, we should do something. The weather's nice. Let's do something. So We hosted a party and said plus one, and we ended up with 80 people in our apartment. (laughs) That sounds like a good time. We we never thought that would happen. So (laughs) we said, okay, next year, let's do this outside. Mm -hmm. And so we did. It was picnic style. It was an invite on Facebook, you know, invite your friends. It was like a barbecue. Mm -hmm. And everyone had such a great time that they said, oh, do you do this every year? And my wife and I looked at each other. With the question in our eyes, do we do this every year? (laughs) Is is this what's happening? (laughs) And so we kept it going. We would pick random dates, checking the weather, and host little gatherings across the street in the sand. Sometimes it would turn into a bonfire, so an all-day type thing. Mm -hmm. And then someone said, oh, you guys should have... A DJ. Like, mm-hmm. that was such an easy thing to just do on the beach. Sure. <laughs> just, just have a DJ on yeah. the beach. <laughs> and so, one of the business owners on Alki decided to go ahead and find a DJ for us. And we had two DJs on the beach. Nice. And the next thing I know, it just, every year there was someone saying, oh, it would be really cool if you had fill in the blanks. And so we would try to see, can we do that? How do we do that? People are so helpful with their suggestions. <laughs> oh, they're so helpful with their ideas. But once again, we didn't know what we were doing except for hosting a gathering yeah. without knowing all the details that come along with it. And and once we became 
like a public type of a, an event. We mm-hmm. had to brand ourselves, to have a name, right. have a website, all of those things. All those um, things. And here we are at year nine. Year nine. Awesome. Year nine. And that's that's what the public would know. I mean, it's so many more years than that. And what do you have on tap for this summer's edition? The dates are August 13th and 14th. So mm-hmm. we went from a one-day event to a two-day event mm-hmm. um, to make sure that it, all ages were included mm-hmm. uh, to have things going on. So on Saturday, August 13th, the beach will be full of pride goers. Uh-huh. But we have partnered with... Blue Moon Burger. And so we will have like a day party. That means a DJ, maybe some live music, possibly some performances, whether it's youth groups or drag or acoustic singers. We're still building what that set will look like, but that will be a Blue Moon Burger from 12 noon to 7 p.m. And that's all going to happen in that big outdoor space of theirs in, in front of the building? Like yes. The beach. That's a great yes. spot for that. Correct. So that will be Saturday. There'll also be a volleyball group just across the way. And I believe that's, I think that's a youth group having a hosting a volleyball tournament. Cool. Also, that evening on Saturday, we'll have an after party. So that is 21 and up. Mm-hmm. And that will be located inside the Admiral Pub. And so that's going to be our first time having an after party there. We usually would have everything on Alki, but businesses have changed, owners have changed, places have closed. So we're moving things around and it works out really well for us. Yeah. They're spreading the love. Mm-hmm. So day party at Blue Moon Burger, after party at Admiral Pub. And that is on that Saturday, Sunday, August 14th. It'll start off in the morning with a, we're just calling it a kind of a bubbles brunch, (laughs) not necessarily a drag brunch. Uh, We might fill that piece in, but that will be at Arthur's Cafe. Uh Okay. Directly across from Admiral Pub. Right. And their brunch hours are 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. So within that time frame, it will start off with a vinyl DJ set, mm. bringing it back some old school records, and then two live singers. Uh-huh. And then the idea would be to add in a couple drag performances. Great. So that's at Arthur's from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. In between that day, so starting at 1.30 at the Statue of Liberty back down on Alki, we're going to host our third skate and bike parade. That's a good time. Yeah, it worked out so well that everyone wanted to say, you should do that again. So yeah. we're doing it again. Ride on wheels. <laughs> Ride on wheels. We call it the rollout with all caps with the word out. Love it. And it's so great to see all of the kids come out and dressed up in all their rainbow and unicorn gear. It's a fun event. And it's definitely open for people to participate in. Put on your yes. your wild outfit yes. and your wheels and get down there and join the boogie line. That's right. And we'll have music attached to one of our e-bikes. So mm-hmm. it'll it's going to be a good time. And then, so we make our way from the Statue of Liberty all the way down to the water taxi dock, where at Marination, Mackay, we'll have a DJ already started. That's probably going to start at noon. Mm-hmm. So from noon into six, we'll have that space on their patio. It'll be a DJ, 
we might have what's called indigiqueer storytelling. And so that's from 12 to 6. Mm-hmm. And then back down on Alki, we will have an outdoor movie starting at 8 p.m. And that will be at the backside of the Alki Playfield area. Okay. And the movie this year will be Birdcage. Nice. It's a comedy. Yeah. yeah. And that worked out so great last year. That was our first time doing it. And we had over 150 people on their blankets and their little setups. Mm-hmm. It was great because it's still outdoors. And it's still all ages. Yeah. And people didn't have to worry about necessarily wearing their masks. They were still being socially distant. But it turned out it was such a great event that they wanted to come back again. So $3 Bill Cinema will be hosting that yeah i'm a huge fan of outdoor movies i actually used to work for three dollar bill cinema and produce a lot of the outdoor movies that happen on uh capitol hill and so i was uh, the curator for a lot of those titles and over many summers and i'm just a huge fan of that kind of experience and people would bring their a picnic game (laughs) to that and it was really fun just to do that we don't really we don't have too many opportunities to to do that here in our pacific northwest summer i'm really excited that it's become a part of Alki Beach Pride. It's super fun. We are super excited too. And the weather will work with us yeah, since it it's in August. That's the key about our event. It might sprinkle mm-hmm. at the Pride in the Park for Seattle Pride, but August, we we should be pretty good. And I'm really happy with how this is all coming together. Yeah. It's a lot of work putting on an event like this. <laughs> what do you get out of it? And what do you hope other people will get oh. out of it? Wow. What do I get out of that? That is a good question. So I love hearing the stories after the fact and hearing how people met for the first time Mm. and they're still together or they're married now, but they met at our event. And what do I get out of it is the smiles, the stories behind knowing that something that we decided to create and keep building on Mm -hmm. is bringing joy to so many people yeah they feel safe those are the words i hear they feel safe they know it's not crowded they love that it's a community event and not necessarily big corporate sponsored liquor boosted type events (laughs) which nothing against that it helps pay for fencing and porta potties and all of that when they get big like that but i am a person who loves to help folks. And by nature, I am a nurturing person. I am a massage therapist. That's what I've done for 26 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So not an event planner, but that's (laughs) apparently what I've turned into. (laughs) So helping people and and giving them something to look forward to every year that they can bring their families as their families grow and bring their pets. I get that joy out of it, knowing that we created something that is so needed in our world necessarily yeah and the the folks who come to it they get to look forward to it every year the new folks that move over into our lovely west seattle area they Uh get to say oh we have our own pride yes you do yes we claim it own it yes you do have your own pride (laughs) if eventually keith we will make this be something called west seattle pride where it can be a week-long event where all of the businesses from the California Junction, Alaska Junction, and Morgan Junction, all the way up to White Center, will have something going on each day. And then we would make the weekend be 
Okay, Beach Pride. Mm, I love it, and I am here for it. Yes, yes. In the short term, with this one coming up, obviously you can't do this all yourself. Are you looking for any help to make it happen from donors or volunteers or sponsors? Yes, please, and thank you. (laughs) We would love to have more of the businesses help sponsor us with in-kind donations, Mm -hmm. whether that's uh, providing gift cards for our dance party giveaways or helping us secure t-shirts for this year. We missed out on it the last two years. We do have our website up and running now, ready for those in-kind donations, mm-hmm. which is alkibeachpride.org. Okay. You can follow the, the links in there and you can fill in the form and I would be the one responding to those emails. And we always look for volunteers. It's not going to be as, it sounded busy when I mentioned all the things, yeah, but we won't need as many as we used to when we would have it on the boardwalk next to the bathhouse. But we do have that link up also in our website if someone wants to volunteer, maybe leading the roller skating. Yeah. And we would love to have some more people join our pseudo board. Right now we have three people and all West Seattleites. And I would love to have some folks come in that maybe have some social media expertise because I am so not good with TikTok or Instagram. <laughs> I am I'm 53 years old and I haven't quite got with it with the some of the social media. Yeah. Pieces. I'm, I'm, so, if there's someone out there that loves posting something every day and reels and and snippets and videos and can get content and post them for us, we would love to have you on board with us. <laughs> also photographers. We yeah. we're looking for videographers we're looking for drone flyers oh, yeah. to get some footage for this year and uh, yeah cool is there anything else that you wanted to share about the event we're going to have an artist flying uh from new york deandre breckensick who is the first artist that on the sierra and russell wilson uh record label oh. beauty mark uh-huh. entertainment and he has been at our event three times in a row and he's so glad to come back after two years of not being able to come here so that's going to be a special piece because he's known he was on american idol and i don't know what season but everyone loves his voice from American Idol to Alki Beach. Yes, yes. <laughs> Thanks for all of your time, energy, and passion in making Alki Beach Pride happen. I can't wait. I'll see you on the beach. Thank you very much. Follow Alki Beach Pride on Facebook and Instagram for updates on this year's events and sign up as a volunteer or sponsor on their website at alkibeachpride.org. On the other end of the Duwamish Peninsula, another highly anticipated return is also taking shape. In the bustling strip of 16th Avenue Southwest that makes up the heart of White Center, the Lumberyard Bar is reopening in a new location after a devastating fire that destroyed the original incarnation, which was located right across the street. For the emotional story of overcoming adversity and tragedy in the name of building and rebuilding not just a business, but a safe space for celebrating diversity, we talked with Lumberyard co-owner Nathan Adams. So how did the Lumberyard initially come to be? That was back in 2017, right? Yes, yes. So in 2017, I was working for a corporate job and we did a restructure. And with that restructure, they decided to take my district, I was a DM, and absorb it into other. I got a great severance package, and I was like, what do you do with this? Where where do you go? At this point, I'm (laughs) mid-40s, 
killing. Really, it's like I'm from the generation that you think of a lot about the company you're with. And you stick with them, and right. it's a lot of growth, and it's a lot of I'm there for the long haul. Yeah. So when it happened, a part of me was like very happy it happened, but also at the same time going, at my age, how do I do this again? Mm-hmm. And every job I went to interview for, I wasn't happy with. And so I finally looked at my husband. I was like, I want to do a food truck. I like to cook. Let's do it. And then we could blossom it into a restaurant, but you start small, grow big. And so then we started talking to friends about it and they were all like, you guys throw great parties. So instead of doing a food truck, why don't you just open a gay bar? And we're like, okay, a gay bar where? They're like, West Seattle. Uh Uh-huh. Did you live over in West Seattle at that time? Oh, yeah. We had lived over here now about, by that time, we lived over here about five years. Okay. And so I was like, okay, we'll look at it. So I pulled Scruff up, opened the app. And there are over 200 people within our area, within two miles. And I'm like, okay, well, there you go. <laughs> 200 people and they're gay <laughs> in this small area. That uh-huh. means there's another 100 that aren't talking. 300. If you have 300 gays, then there you go. When we decided to open the bar, mm-hmm. we started looking and said, not the hill, definitely off the hill. But preferably either Georgetown, Soto, or West Seattle. Mm-hmm. So White Center wasn't on that list and we looked in all three of those places we looked for two months couldn't find anything we went to the company at that time it was a bar in white center right they were one uh, of the first yes yeah so there are three real businesses that really started triggering the whole change in the neighborhood mm-hmm. and we loved the spot and we were walking out of there after having happy hour and we looked across the street and we saw two spaces and one was the original lumberyard and uh, called the landlord to ask to see it. Our biggest requisites were outdoor space and something that wasn't so big that when you walked in, if there was only 10 people, you didn't feel like you were in a huge space with no company. Right. And that's when he showed us the lumberyard, the original space. That's what we fell in love with. 15 foot ceilings, 16 feet wide, 70 feet long and an outdoor space. What was it before? Before that, it was a pot shop. Mm Mm-hmm. And I cannot remember the name, but they're now down in by the docks. And then before that, in the early 70s, it was called the ABC Bar. Mm-hmm. So there's actually a video. And Marcus, who had Swallow across the street, yeah, sent me the video. You go down the street, tree-lined streets, and there it is, ABC. And there's our spot. Gotcha. So it was a bar before. But we were the first LGBTQ bar in the neighborhood. And that was really our big push, was this, like, don't be a bear bar. Don't be a twink bar. Be everybody. Yeah. And be accepting of everybody and really enforce that and enforce mm-hmm. that sense of it is community. And the staff we brought on bought into it just as big as we bought into it. And that's what turned the space into something so much more special than we ever thought it would be. Had you ever run a bar or restaurant before? Restaurants, yes. I did those in my early 20s. Bars, no. This was the first one. And if I recall correctly, it was a pretty long slog to get through all the processes involved with starting a new business before you could open. It took us a year of build out. Wow. And we're now approaching a year of build out again (laughs) to get the second space open. So after you initially opened, what was the community response? So the day we put it out on Facebook in the original space, myself, my husband, and our team was like, okay, come on in. We're going to do some practicing, this and that probably won't be that busy. And by five o'clock, we had an hour and a half wait to get in. 
Wow. And with no security. So it truly was, you really could not step into the building. <laughs> and from that point on, I was like, I had no idea what we had tapped into. And so after you opened, you started building on your success fairly quickly with a number of expansion projects that really evolved the space. Yes. So first we had patio, then we added the loading dock, which was our dance space. Mm -hmm. Eventually we started moving all of our entertainment down to that space. And you also survived the lockdown period of the pandemic. That couldn't have been easy. It was not. I think that was the first time I realized we truly had done something different. Mm -hmm. We sponsored two softball teams. And as soon as the lockdown happened, they stepped up and actually started a fundraiser to help us get through the first couple of months. Mm -hmm. And they raised over $5,000 just to help us offset rent and be able to keep going. And that was the first time I was sitting there going, this is not normal. Most businesses, this doesn't happen. And so I was like, we have to make sure we come back and we do things right. So. I wouldn't just take the money. I gave them all gift certificates. It's like when we're back up and opening, just don't come in one night and expect me to give $4,000 worth of boots away. <laughs> and we're good. That could be trouble. <laughs> yeah. So you made it through all that. And then just about one year ago, everything changed. How did you first hear about the fire? So the panel went out very early that morning at the bar and actually the whole strip. And I'd gone up to do cleaning and get us ready to go. We had a great Friday night. It was on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking we're gonna have a really good Saturday and no power. And mm -hmm. we wait and I call my team and I'm like, okay, we don't have power. And finally by six o'clock, I'm like, we're not gonna open. So we put it out there. I close everything down. I go meet my husband and my son at friends' houses for the 4th of July party that they were going to mm -hmm. and hang out there for a little bit. And I'm home by 11. And I fall asleep. And by one o'clock, my phone's blowing up. My husband's phone's blowing up. And the building's already caught fire. So I, I jump up out of bed and I run up there just to watch it, just not believe it. Yeah. And uh, Aaron from the skating rink and James, who's a local bartender, they came and found me. And wouldn't let me stay on the street just to watch it burn. So... I went back to the skating rink and watched it burn from there. Hmm. And my husband went up the next morning after I came home and said, it's gone. It's just, yeah. it's just, there's nothing left. And he talked to the fire department, which time when they said it was electrical, I was like, odd, because we put all new electrical in when we built out. And the power was out. And the power was out. I was like, it just doesn't make sense that a search could have happened that could have caused that because we'd had power outages before. And then two days later, we actually were able to get our video equipment out. Mm -hmm. And once we did, that's when we found that it was ours. We had the video of them actually jumping a fence with a mask on, with sunglasses on. They knew exactly where the cameras were. They painted the camera black They and then started the fire. And so it was not just a total loss for you business-wise, but the fire was found to be deliberately set arson and considered a hate crime. What did that feel like for you? It's It was devastating. A big part of me was ready to just go, I'm ready to leave Seattle. Hmm. I'm done. And mainly because it's like, when you build something like what we built, 
and I can count on one hand the two people I kicked out mm -hmm. in four years. And one was for biting somebody's ear. And the other was because she was so drunk, she didn't know where she was. That I'm sitting there going, how does this happen? How do you not know that someone is so despises what you are and what you're doing? They want to burn you down. They don't want you to exist. And it was a real wake-up call for me. You know, I, I came out at 40, so I never knew a non-accepting community because I already lived in Seattle. Mm -hmm. I never knew that there was something outside of the bubble of Seattle. Bubbles are thin. Yeah. Yeah. That just must have been devastation on top of devastation after putting so much of your heart and soul into this project and feeling the love from the community and to have some random person take that away is just, it's just so awful. In the aftermath of the fire, how did the community respond? The response was amazing. The day after the fire, uh, White Center Pride started a GoFundMe. And truly, the first part of the day, Mike was like, realize there's a GoFundMe going. I was like, okay, sure. We just have to see what happens. And truly, it was, I need to see what's going to happen because of insurance. How do we rebuild? Can we afford to rebuild? And within 24 hours, it was the fastest growing GoFundMe that had ever happened. Wow. White Center Pride raised over $110,000 amazing to rebuild a community space for a private business. That's incredible. And that's when I looked at my husband, I was like, can't, we can't not reopen. Yeah. And not only can we not reopen, we have to reopen in our neighborhood. Yeah. And we have to stand up and just say, we are here. We're not going anywhere and our community is not going anywhere. And this space is truly meant for everybody. So with that outpouring of support, you, there was never an, a moment where you were like, mm, I don't know if I can do this all over again. There's always still a moment where I sit there going, am <laughs> I really doing this again? We will be a year past the fire when we mm -hmm. reopen. And I still look at all my contractors going, I still cannot believe it takes 12 to 13 or 14 months yeah. for a business to open in mm -hmm. Seattle mm -hmm. and King County. You typically sign a five-year lease. That means mm -hmm. you take a year of your lease, a year where you're paying rent and right. the build-out costs to get open and you have nothing coming in. So a part of me, and I've already said this to the people at King County, it's if you want to be pro-business, you need to figure out a way for these new businesses that are opening, they don't take 13, 14, 15 months. Yeah. Especially it's a restaurant. It's a bar. It should not take us that long to build out. Yeah, it's not rocket science. <laughs> exactly. No, it's not. <laughs> but now you're on the verge of rising from the ashes, so to speak, in a new location right across the street. What will the new lumber yard be like? Prettier than the old one. Very reminiscent. There were several pieces we were actually able to salvage. All of our saw blades. So all those are coming back. It'll be about another month because we have a special thing planned for the saw blades. But... There were certain pieces that we were able to salvage that we have reused in the main bar. Oh, cool. And it feels like the old one, but also looks, it just looks one step up. What are you most excited for people to see or experience in the new lumber yard? Uh, no stairs. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so the new space is all one level. Mm -hmm. So if you took the loading dock, which was the dance space, plus the patio, plus the downstairs at the original bar and the original bar, all of those equated to about 4,000 square feet. 
and okay. we are now 4,500. So basically what I gained was a great storage room <laughs> to do things and to be able to create a nice dressing room for performers to come out of. And performance is going to be a big part of the happenings at the lumber yard. What kind of things do you think you'll have lined up coming back? So coming back right off the bat, we know we're still doing an underwear night. We know Dolly Madison, it will still be our weekly drag queen on every Saturday. Old Witch, we're going back and working with her because she was about to start a program with us at the old space called Campfire, which surprisingly enough, the only print advertisement print that survived was her Campfire print <laughs> on the front wall. <laughs> And I gave it to her. And I'm like, girl, you're special. <laughs> she is a witch, right? Yes. <laughs> special powers. So old witch will be coming back, hopefully. And then we are talking about doing brunches on Saturdays and Sundays because there's really no place to do brunches in the neighborhood anymore. So we're actually cool. going to expand our food service. Great, great. What do you have on tap for the food service expansion? So for food service, I'm a true Southern boy. So you're going to get biscuits and gravy. You're going to get a country fried steak, but everything is going to be made in-house. The biscuits will be in-house. The gravy is in-house. Just like before, all of our food, our meagles, our pastrami, we did it all in-house. Awesome. And it's the big thing for me was it's okay, we're a gay bar. Yes, we serve food. But gays know more how to cook than most people think that we do. So here we go. Let's show you. My husband would agree with you. You've had a lot of people come through your doors over the years, and I'm sure they'll be lining up once again to welcome you back. Do you think there's anything unique about the LGBTQ community of West Seattle? I do. I really do. This community is more than just an LGBTQ community. It's a very diverse community that accepts everybody in every nation, every race, every group that comes through the front door. And that's one of the things I think has been so wonderful about the space. Yes, it's primarily gay. There's no doubt. I show porn on TVs. So it's, if you didn't know it was gay, you're going to know it now. And several of the allies that do come into the bar really embrace it. And what was eye-opening for me, I was married for 16 years to a woman mm -hmm. and then came out as gay and found my husband and married him. I can say I never, when I was in a heterosexual relationship, never knew there was a diversity in sexuality inside that community. Right. Mm -hmm. I just figured, right. Oh, it's all the same. Mm -hmm. Oh no. <laughs> it's as crazy as the gay community. <laughs> they just keep it a little quieter. <laughs> <laughs> so when you have those allies who come into the bar, and they have that freedom just to be themselves, you see a whole different side and you see why they're so accepting. Yeah. It's just because they're just in there going, we're just like you. We yeah. just want to be free. We don't want to be judged because I'd like to do something kinky over here. Sure. And I don't mind asking somebody about that. Think about that. That's the whole gay community. You have bears, you have twinks, you have otters that's basically defining yourself to a degree and the big thing about our community is don't define yourself just right. be you right so i think that's what we've done we, we've done it successfully because the clientele has made it that way that's awesome i think also people have these different identities different groups or how you relate or identify 
all those kinds of things. And it's fun for people to just see each other, see and be seen, whether they are queer or allied or whatever. And I think when people come together like that to accept and celebrate each other, that's an awesome thing and and cause for good times. (laughs) It makes it so much easier. One of the last Saturday nights that the bar was open, I was coming out of the loading dock, carrying dishes up to the main bar. And there are seven drag queens sitting at a table with all their friends in full makeup, full gear, all just out for the night. They're not out to perform. They're just Mm -hmm. out being themselves. And that was one of those points where it also made me stop and go, we've done something different. Right. Right. Queens don't just show up and sit down and drink with their friends, (laughs) not in full makeup. And it was beautiful. Why do we need queer spaces in neighborhoods like White Center and around the Duwamish Peninsula? We need queer spaces everywhere. Washington is very liberal, especially Seattle, Tacoma. There's a lot of safe spaces for queers of our community to gather and to express ourselves and to feel a community and to feel it's very comfortable to actually reach out to somebody in a bar and make a pass at them and to know it's being accepted or, and you're not looking at somebody throwing a punch at you. I could never do that in Arkansas. I could never do that now in Arkansas. And I love my home state, but. I will never live there again, Yeah, especially after developments with the Supreme Court. You're like, why does anybody in our community live anywhere where the community is not supporting of who we are? And yes, we want to change things and we want to move there to try to change things. There's also a point in your life where you just want to be you, right? Where you want to walk down the street with your husband. You want to hold their hand. You want to kiss them on the street. You want to feel safe. Right. And the fire last year proved to me that doesn't always happen where you want it to happen, Hmm. but it's also a rarity. And I'll be damned if I'm going to let that fire destroy my sense of what community is and what Seattle is. I'm still going to promote be gay, kiss who you want, love who you want, step out with who you want. Don't be shy. Yeah. Own it, love it, accept it. They can't do that in the South. But you can do it at the Lumberyard. Yes. <laughs> the Lumberyard Bar is poised to reopen in July with an official date coming very soon. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram for updates or check their website at thelumberyardbar.com. That's it for this episode of Always West Seattle. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and share this episode with your friends. We also appreciate your mentioning us in your posts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where our handle is Always Podcast. And if you've got a great idea for a story we should know about, drop us a line. Always West Seattle is a Made with Bacon production, all rights reserved. Interviews have been edited for brevity and clarity. I'm Keith Bacon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>